Hi, I'm Garth Tanner. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. The season is over, but still the deals are being done. If other people think of us as a benchmark, well, that's that's gratifying, but that's for them to uh, to decide. Drivers will have to stay with their cars for the Enduros from 2010. You know, we can get to the end of either of those races and half of the best drivers in the sport are sitting in the garage, so... And Marcus Ambrose becomes the face of the V8 supercars in North America. It, it's going to triple the ratings of the IRL with the package that they have. It's all coming up today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Regular main game drivers will no longer be allowed to pair up with their teammates following a decision of the V8 Supercar Board last week. It's, it's an idea um, to make things fair across the board to all teams um, and to give everybody an equal opportunity to, uh, to, to win that race. Um, and it's also an, an opportunity you know, not to disappoint spectators when you, know, you might have Craig Lowndes or Jamie Winkup or Garth Tender or Will Davison not fighting it out at the end. This means that experienced part-time drivers are becoming hot commodities on the enduro market with the focus now turned to Mark Scaife, who this year paired with the now-defunct Sprint Gas Racing Team. With Scaife keeping his option open, it's an early enduro silly season. Roland Dane has told the V8 Insiders that corporate sponsors are still willing to invest in teams if they are offered results. So we're now at 50 races for um, for Triple Eight um, in Australia, 50 race wins plus AGP ones as well, uh, and I think that's an achievement that um, that any team would be proud of. So I'm certainly very proud of all the people uh, within the team who who've done that, and if other people think of us as a benchmark well that's that's gratifying but that's for them to uh, to decide caltech's the latest to come on board with triple eight dane says he's never regretted the move down under to run the v8 supercar operation i'm certainly happy with the decision to come here i mean i love uh, being here i love australia i love the championship i love the people i love the team of uh, guys that i work with um, and I love the fact that we've been able to be successful uh, both on and off the track. So um, it's, uh, it's been a, a great uh, chapter um, of my um, great chapter of my life, and uh, I hope it's uh, got, a, got a few more pages left in it. Bundy Red Racing will become a two-car team next year with Andrew Thompson picking up the final seat at Walkinshaw Racing. The announcement of Thompson has seen David Reynolds, the highest placed rookie in 2009, out of a seat. Tony Cochran has indicated that Z8 Supercars are working on ensuring that the races at the Melbourne Formula One Grand Prix are not exhibition runs in the future.
The Sydney pit building is being measured up to see if it'll be able to be used at the Albert Park complex. That we'll have our own pit area at uh, the Formula One Melbourne event and we will do a, a set of major races in association with that event um, and we'll We'll get out of the kind of, for want of a better word, the exhibition phase at that event. Greg Murphy has spoken to the V8 Insiders about his time at Sprint Gas Racing and what he hopes for the future. We certainly didn't uh, meet, any, you know, our KPIs and, um, you know, we've obviously struggled to be consistent. You know, my plan is to have a decent break and, and I'll, I'll, be, I'll be preparing myself all the way through that, you know. Got, uh, got that all worked out, what I'm going to do, and hopefully by the time the season starts I'll be in you know, in full mental and physical shape to do it. I mean, we've just finished probably the hardest event, I think, on the calendar now. And, you know, um, I don't feel too bad, but I'm certainly not going to let myself, um, you know, <laughs> bloody uh, rest too much between now and, and uh, next next season. I'm uh, extremely excited about this. It's a big change uh, from what I've been doing the last couple of years and, and to be in a, a Castrol Commodore with uh, Paul Morris Motorsport. Uh, it's come about reasonably quickly and, and uh, it's a fantastic arrangement, fantastic deal and, as you said, a very strong team. So uh, to be back on board with Castrol, um, had a relationship with them over, over a few years and to be back with them, um, you know, it's a fantastic relationship. <laughs> Car number 51, I've been working to try and get rid of the five off the front of that for, for a long time. And, uh, you know, this is going to be the best opportunity I've had in, in, in some years uh, to, to uh, be able to achieve that goal. You know, it's, it's certainly not going to be easy. No one's saying it will be, but I'd love to be able to reignite this relationship with some, you know, very strong performances. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. You know, realistically, I think uh, both Russell and myself, uh, we'll be looking to be, you know, having regular podiums and, and fighting for that championship. Um, you know, the cars should be absolutely fantastic. There's an amazing crew here at, at Paul Morris Motorsport that uh, have been pretty experienced and and uh, they know what what's required to, you know, have a car at the front of the field. So we've got some great tools to work with and we've got some very good people and, you know, there's there's really not too many excuses. So we'll, we'll be out there fighting for the same uh, same bit of uh, tarmac as, as the other guys. I've had a, a fantastic relationship previously and some awesome results. You know, there's a couple of Bathists in there that when we were in the, the Kmart days with, had a, a huge Castrol involvement. And, you know, I was a bit with PWR as well with Castrol and um, when it was super cheap and we're not going to let anyone down. Had uh, some good results in the past, but the last few years have been uh, pretty lacklustre. So to have on the plate for 2010, you know, this, this great relationship and... and uh, with uh, some, you know, some very fast holdings that Russell England and myself are going to have under our under our backside. You know, we were really, really amped about it, and I'm I'm uh, very happy and thankful that uh, this has been able to be put together. Marcus Ambrose will become the face of V8 Supercar Racing in North America. Ambrose will introduce the US Speed Channel viewers to V8s as part of the new television package that Fox subsidiary Speed has just signed on for. I'm going to do my very best to help. Uh, the Virtual Supercar Series get on the map in the US. Uh, people already know about it, but this is going to really, you know, push it to another level. Um, you know, I've had uh, discussions with Speed in the US too. Once Tony and, and Speed got their deal together, it's just a real natural fit for me to come in and, and help, uh, you know, just glue it all together and, and give the US fan uh, some inside knowledge on, on, 
on what it's all about and, and, and how it works there compared to NASCAR. So, Tony Cochran told the V8 Insiders that he's looking forward to his Christmas break as he steps down from the executive chairman role. The board knew all along that I would only take on the dual roles of chairman and CEO uh, for the balance of this year and um, I stepped down in that dual role on the 18th of uh, December and um, then, um, of course, we'll have an acting CEO for a couple of months until the new CEO uh, gets his feet under the desk in uh, March of next year. Following on from Tony's comments, Cole Hitchcock has told the V8 Insiders that the board has agreed on a new CEO. Uh, there was a decision made. Um, we won't be uh, we won't be revealing that decision until early in the new year. This uh, you know the process uh, still takes time, um, even when the um, even when the board uh, does make these decisions. Um, um, you know, there's still processes to happen, and uh, yes, they have, but uh, I can guarantee you right here and now that it's not Shane Howard, as was reported in uh, some of the... Brad Jones spoke to the V8 Insiders about Cameron McConville and how he will be missed at Brad Jones Racing following his second stint with the team that ended at the end of the Sydney 500 race. He's been, been very good for BJR. The second time around, he's been, um, um, you know... A, a perfect participant within the team so so I'm um, sad to see him go but you know I, I from a driver's perspective you know in your heart of hearts when when it's time to call it a day and and um, you know good on him for for having the intestinal fortitude to to follow his heart. Jones has also foreshadowed his team will be expanding in 2010. You know I think we've got a pretty bright future so um, we just uh, you know just it's just got to sort a few things out and then we'll make some announcements but but um, I think we'll be back bigger and stronger and more competitive and and, um, consistency was what I'm going to be looking for. So how many cars for BJR next year? Yeah, I I think you'll probably see three. Many drivers got their first outing in their new cars over the course of the week, with Paul Dumbrell jumping into the FPR Falcon for the first time. Also, it saw Fabian Coulthard in his first drive in the Bundy Red car. Bargs was in the Jack Daniels car. And Andrew Thompson took his opportunity to step in the seat of the now newly rebadged Bundaberg Rum 2 car. Up in Queensland, Formula 3 standout James Winslow also had a chance to jump into the seat of a Triple Eight Falcon. We spoke to Paul Dumbrell about the testing of the car because... Most of these drivers were contracted until December 31st. No, I'm very thankful. Very thankful. You know, then that's just a class operation. You know, they've sort of, a, you know, the the advantage is really mine um, for me. You know, to test the car. So you know, Craig uh, and the team. You know, I was sort of pretty pretty happy to obviously let let me go and do whatever thing. You know, I tried to keep them in loop with my decision-making process and uh, unfortunately we just couldn't come to terms with the deal uh, before that. The Fujitsu series was the focus of the V8 board as they looked to bolster the series in 2010. With main game teams finding it hard to get funding, V8 supercars have looked to what they can offer the Fujitsu teams and have come up with free tyres for teams that wish to participate in the full calendar of the development series. They are also looking to increase the professionalism of the championship with teams required to use a standardised sandwich board at the front of their pit bays and banners. The first 20 teams that register for the season, V8 Supercars is offering to supply them. But yeah, you're right, if, if anyone has felt it, it's been the Fujitsu team, so you know, there's quite a strong will there now to, uh, to really dig in and help out, help out those guys and to try and market the sport a little bit. Uh, make it a little bit easier for them financially and in other areas. So it's it's uh, you know something that uh, is is welcomed uh, by all and uh, something that you know we'll do our best job 
still concentrating on the on the championship as well, but do our best job to help as much as we can. On this week's White Flag Lap, we speak to Tim Slade on his first year in the main game and ask if he might take his engineer with him to his new ride at Stone Brothers Racing. Yeah, we actually, we joked about that before, um, getting dude across. And that's all the news this week on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Andrew Clark and Richard Crail will be along as we look back on the season that was and what they think 2010 will bring. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bundaberg Racing and you're listening to V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week from P101 Publishing, it is none other than Andrew Clark. Good evening, Clarky. Hey, how are you? I'm not too bad as the season rolls to a halt. There's still plenty to talk about, but one man that's going to enjoy his Christmas break is, of course, Richard Crail from Speed Week. Richard, good evening. Craig, Andrew, good evening. Thanks for uh, having me on. Good fun as always. It should be interesting to see how the... you two guys have looked at this season because with so many changes throughout the year, it has been interesting to see how the teams have reacted. And Andrew, I reckon it's safe to say that we saw more changes coming into this season than any other season in the uh, 11, 12 year history of their supercars. Yeah, I thought, uh, yes, I mean, the start of this year was staggering, but uh, the end of the year is, is even more staggering, I reckon. I, I just can't believe so many teams, drivers, uh, sponsors, um, you know, tiddlywinks operators, you know, like everything just seems to be changing. I think it's quite a staggering thing, um, which will probably bode well for those who've had stability for the start of next year. Um, I think yeah, every time you have big changes, it does take a while to settle down and, uh, you know, it depends on, on the magnitude of that change. In some cases, it's just one driver coming in and having to learn how to, uh, to talk to the engineer. Uh, and in some cases, it's the uh, engineers having to learn how to talk to a Commodore instead of a Falcon. Um, so, look, there's lots of stuff going to go on in the, the start of next year. I think it's going to be uh, probably the most interesting start to a season, not just because we're you know, starting on Ab- at Abu Dhabi, which is a, just a staggering-looking venue, uh, but just because you know, we, we're going to wait to see how this all maps out and how it all how it all flows and what comes out of it. Well, one man who is going to be on the grid now is James Rosenberg with Tim Slade and Richard. Uh, you've been quite intricately involved with James over the last few years in the Formula Three board. Yeah, and and that you won't find, or you'll, it'll be hard to find a more passionate man about V8 supercar racing and someone who puts his money where his mouth is than, than James Rosenberg, and he's been uh, involved with Tim Slade's career for um, many seasons, got him into open wheelers uh, in, in Formula 3 a few years back and bought the V8 supercars that he used uh, with Slade Speed in the Fujitsu Series two years ago and uh, with Paul Morris Motorsport and, and Super Cheap Auto this year, and uh, it's been a very good partnership, and I know they're over the moon to be... Uh, to be involved in the Stone Brothers for starters, which is such a professional team and showed plenty of glimpses about the fact that they're still very, very capable of winning V8 supercar races. They, they weren't able to do it this year, obviously, but there were um, moments where they looked pretty pretty damn good. So I know they're pretty excited about um, 
the way that uh, their season 2010 is shaping up. Just to echo the thoughts Andrew made about next year, I mean, he's absolutely bang on with all the driver changes and the, the start is going to be very interesting. But I saw a comment from uh, Garth Tanner and Will Davison who basically go into next year completely unchanged from a Holden Racing Team perspective. And they said, well, from our point of view, it's great. You know, all these guys are chopping and changing. You know, their closest rival, Triple Eight, it's got to move from Ford to Holden. You know, there's there's driver changes left, right and centre. They've basically got exactly the same package and their biggest hassle is the fact they're not allowed to team up for the enduro races. And if that's their biggest problem next season, well, then they're going to have a pretty good year. So I, I completely agree with the fact that um, that consistency from 2009 to 2010 is going to be a big thing in working out how the championship plays out. And, you know, those teams that can carry form over from this year in the first couple of rounds do a bit of a wink up and build up a, an early lead and they'll look pretty good throughout the year. I think, I think there's only two teams from what I can see without massive change and that's uh, FPR and, and HRT. Yeah. <clears throat> so what I think, about yeah, Jim Beam? Jim Beam's not going to have much going on there. Sorry? Oh, Jim, Jim Beam, yeah, of course. Didn't even think about those at the moment. But, yep, so let's take it three teams. Um, so I think you know, each one of the teams without a lot of change is really, really is and should hit the ground running. And they're, they're teams that have been strong in the second half of this year, haven't they? I mean, HRT, FPR and, and Jim Beam Racing all in the last two or three rounds of the championship were probably the fastest cars on the grid. So it bodes really well for the start of their season next year. I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier, and that was about uh, Stone Brothers Racing and Tim Slade going into, into that organisation as a third car effectively because, uh, Andrew... It wasn't really uh, Stone Brothers Racing's main guys who were showing that speed. It was Jason Bright showing that speed. And considering he had a spray painter, a panel beater, and, uh, you know, guys that were struggling to service the car, I'm hoping James has got a, a, a real good deal on who his pit lane crew is because uh, uh, there was there was some stories going on that they couldn't do four tyres and a fuel stop. Well, I, I can I can absolutely 100% say, and, and I don't have a, an official capacity with James, but I've known him for a while, and um, I've sort of been a party to what's going on and helped him out with some media stuff recently. But I, I can safely tell you that this will be a fully-blooded third car from Stone Brothers Racing. The only difference will be in the paint scheme and the sponsors and the driver. Um, for all intents and purposes, um, it might have James Rosenberg as a figurehead, but this will be a, an SBR car. So... They will uh, very much want to ensure that it's prepared and run to the same standards as their two cars for uh, for Alex and for um, for Shane Van Gisbergen. So uh, I don't think there'll be any uh, nightmarish like stories like that in 2010 for uh, for Slady. But Andrew, that that is a that is a problem that uh, you have got uh, when you look at Stone Brothers Racing. It was the third car with uh, the leftover fellas that were actually the fastest. Yeah, but if you, you've got to take into account a couple of things on that front, and, and this is where um, it always becomes uh, really critical. It's experience behind the steering wheel often mm. counts. And I reckon you take a bloke, um, you know, it's going to be two or three seasons before they're up to speed, no matter how good or how talented you are in this game. You know, like you talk to the internationals when they come over and they drive these things up at Bathurst and Phillip Island, and they're just staggered at how hard these cars are to get your head around totally. And the last time we saw, you know, someone blast into this thing and, you know, blow it wide open was Marcus Ambrose nearly 10 years ago. <clears throat> Since then, you've got times where, you know, Jamie Wincup, 
you know, has had a drive. He got sacked. He took another drive after a year of, of nothing. You know, and now look at him. You know, Roland Dane says he's the best driver that Triple Eight's ever had anywhere in the world. Mm. You know, you take your guys like your Shane Van Gisbergen and Alex Davison. You know they got talent. You know, watch the gears in the wet. You know the bloke can can do everything in a car, but you've still got to get those those extra little bits going. You've still got to work into into the way it all operates. You know, the the, the fine tuning of the chassis, dragging those last little bits out of it. And I reckon any team that's running two relative rookies like you know, Van Gisbergen and Alex Davison is going to have some tough times. So Jason Bright, with all of that experience and all of that ability, should be able to walk in there and say, geez, I got that sorted out, OK? Um, and that was one of the reasons why they did the deal with Bright in the first place, was that they were hoping that it was going to, to travel back the other way. Mm. Um, now it's got to go the other way. Like Van Gisbergen's moving into his third season, I think, and Davison's in his second full season. Um, yep. Slade's in his second full season, but you, you know, Alex Davison's got a lot more experience than Tim Slade. So the, the line should be travelling down there. I would expect that you know, Alex Davison and Van Gisbergen should be on par next year um, and helping Tim Slade to, uh, to, to run along. Mm. Well, we need to take a break here, but there's plenty more to talk about right after this. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Will Davison from the Toll Holden Racing Team and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, Richard Crowell from Speed Weekend, P101's Andrew Clark. And uh, guys, uh, we were talking about Tim Slade before the break, and he was just behind David Reynolds, who was the uh, best-performing first-year driver in the main game. Uh, Certainly, once they gave David equivalent equipment, he certainly was able to show that he can uh, drive the wheels off the thing, Andrew. Well, Dave Reynolds, you know, he's got an endurance gig with Walkinshaw Performance or Walkinshaw Racing or whatever they want to call themselves in this day and age. Um, but he hasn't got the main game um, gig, which is strange because, as you say, like his form in the last part of the season has been pretty good. You know, for a young guy, he was suddenly on the pace. He was doing well. He made mistakes, but, you know, as I say, he's a young guy. He's trying to learn his craft. Um, and given the performances that he's given to... Uh, to Walkinshaw and to, to its various arms over the last couple of years, um, you know he deserved his his go at it. You know he stood aside, he's put him, you know, done his own self sacrifice for that team in the past. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting, and he'll be a good um, a good pickup in the Enduros. Um, sure, certainly, but um, yeah, I think he'd be a little bit disappointed that uh, that he didn't get a second year out of that operation. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I, I think he deserved it, and. I mean, the, the sceptic in me goes, OK, well, well, did Andrew Thompson bring some money to that equation and, you know, has Bundaberg indeed stepped up for full sponsorship of two cars or is it being subsidised or whatever? But, I mean, there's no doubt Andrew deserves to drive and um, I think uh, one of the magazines made a point that, that his uh, stints in the Enduros this year were particularly impressive and, you know, he was setting very, very competitive times. So there's no doubt he can do the job and, you know, he proved that in the Fujitsu Series a while back and his stint with... Um, 
uh, with PWR as well. But, yeah, if you were David Reynolds, you, you've got to be a bit frustrated, especially with the, the second half of the year and, and the pace that he showed. And, you know, you'd like to think if all was fair and equal that um, that would result in a drive. But um, it's a shame. And, and uh, the thing I like most about Dave Reynolds, and I've, I've done a little bit of work with him before, is that he, he tends to always look on the bright side. And, and, you know, he's come out in the last week and said, well, look, you know, I'd rather look at this as an opportunity instead of a, a downside, and he's looking at perhaps going back international and, and doing Porsche Super Cup or something like that. So, you know, that's a, a good thing, and it's pleasing to see that he hasn't sort of got all despondent about losing his main main um, main game drive, and he can still um, come back and do the Enduros, but, you know, maybe keep that overseas dream alive for another season and, mm. and try and do something over there. So, mm. I think you know, yeah, I, the guys who were smart about the guys who were smart about the setbacks will come out of it quite well. I mean, you know, you would have argued that a few years ago, you know, Jamie Wincup's career was done and dusted. That was it. We yep. were never going to see, you know, see him again. Um, yep. Yet, you know, he was able. He was persistent. He, you know, he put, took up an enduro drive and he did well there. And then he mm. picked up the Tasman gig and then he moved into Triple Eight. So, you know, you, you don't see this as the end of your career. And I think anybody who would take that is just kidding themselves. You know, there are guys that have more money backing them and they will always get a drive over a bloke who doesn't have money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that, that's just a fact of life. Um, you know, and if you can't deal with that, then just don't get involved in motorsport. And I think the good guys understand this. They understand the way the game runs. All right, now we've uh, just got time for Gas and Go here. Gas and Go brought to you by V8X Magazine. It's on sale now. And our first question... Who was the best main game debut driver, Andrew Clark? How do you define debut? Uh, First full season is my criteria. Um, I would have said Alex Davison for me. Um, You know, I think he did uh, quite well. He showed good patches of speed, uh, you know, and he showed the class that I think most of us accept that he's got. Um, So, yeah, probably gets my vote at the moment. Um, I might think about it, though, as the question go. Richard? Yeah, it, it's a tough one, isn't it? I, I, I tend to agree. Um, I've, I've interviewed Alex Davison at Bathurst last year on um, the, the Bathurst radio up there and was doing some work for them. And he's just a really good guy, isn't he? And very got his wits about him, got his head screwed on the right way and, and carries himself well. But but why not, just for the sake of it, uh, Craig, a bit of variety. We'll, um, I, I'll go for Dave Reynolds. I think he's the way he rebounded from a very tough start of the season, um, you know, a couple of DNFs, a couple of shunts, he came back well, got some very good um, pace in those last couple of rounds, and his performance at Homebush and at Barbagello were very, very good. So I'll go for David Reynolds, if, I, if only just to be a bit different. I can't split Slade and Reynolds, reason being Slade got a faster slap up there at Queensland Raceway, which uh, not any of the other first-year drivers were close to having a lap record, whether it be a test track or not. Um, everyone ran on a test track at least once this year. Mm. Guys, who was the... Biggest surprise to sell their licence at the end of the year, Richard? Um, well, I mean, 12 months ago you might have said Paul Crookshank because from from what you could see, he was building a really good little operation up there. And, you know, they had a, a tough year with, with JB in his final year, but they got a lot of exposure out of it. And, and, you know, the pieces were falling into place with Fabian Coulthard that, you know, with Triple Eight machinery and, you know good backing for Wilson Security that things would look good but they just had a shocking year and 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 whether there was always a sort of underlying motivation for Crookshank to get out of it or whether it was the fact that he had such a bad year so much crash and, and a pretty expensive season um 
you know, whether that sort of led to the decision as well, I, I don't know. And that's that's for Paul to um, hopefully tell us one day on the show. But um, I, I think that probably for me was a bit surprising. And, and it would have been great to see PCR continue on and, and continue to be strong. But, um, you know, fortunately, I think Paul will still be involved. And, and he's certainly taken a commercial capacity with um, the James Rosenberg franchise and some other... Uh, investments in the sport and, and I don't think you'll see the last of, of Paul Crookshank as a team owner but no, that, that's probably it for me I'll just uh, plug that uh, Paul Crookshank will be on the white flag lap next week talking all about nice. this season and his decision so great lead in there. Andrew? Oh, definitely Paul Crookshank I thought his, uh, his business model was working pretty well um, I thought it was growing um, you know, he took on the second car. Um, you know, not sure Michael Patrese is the bloke I'd want in my second car, but then again, he had cash. Um, mm. So, yeah, I thought things were kind of working all right there. But, um, you know, I think the one thing that people have forgotten this year is that there is a recession. Um, and I think that it's the guys who are on the fringe are the ones who will feel it the most and they'll feel it the hardest. And, uh, you know, to me, it's just unfortunate that Paul Crookshank was caught in that, um, you know, top bloke. Um, runs a good operation. Um, I think you saw a lot of his integrity with uh, the way he dealt with Fabian Coulthard and Walkinshaw performance. And, mm. yeah, really do hope he's back. Who's going to have the best chance of transition? Will it be Murph? Will it be Dumbrell? Will it be Slade? Or will it be oh, any of the other drivers that are, are changing ships and boats this year, Andrew? Or next year, I should say. Um. I think Murph will hit the ground running. Um, the only downside to him is that uh, he's not going to get the new Triple Eight Paul Morris car until the middle of the year. And I think if he started the season in the Triple Eight car, I think you'd uh, you'd see a bit more momentum out of him. Um, but I, I think the surprise, the one who who I'm keenest to see reach potential is Paul Dumbrell. Um, he's a bloke who I think's got a lot of talent. He's got speed. He's got all the bits and pieces. But somehow he just doesn't string it all together. Um, now, whether this is because he's, you know, spending his life worrying about or thinking about, you know, how he's going to sell another couple of mud flaps through Autobahn stores or whatever it is, um, I don't know. But if somebody can sit down with him and get his mind focused for long enough to get the best out of him, I think you'll see a pretty impressive year. Um, I think the key to FPR is going to be if Paul Dumbrell can step up to be the number two driver in that team. And if that happens, I think you'll see Frosty uh, certainly fighting out the championship, if not uh, leading the way. Yeah, I couldn't agree with that. That's that's a really, really good point. I actually hadn't thought of PD before you said it. But, um, I mean, if, if you're talking strictly as a transition base of a point of difference between this year and next, I mean, how can you go past Triple Eight? I mean, you'd have to expect that with the run that they've had and, you know, the the talk, whether it's PR or whatnot, that they're coming out with saying, OK, well, it's really only a change of body. All the, A lot of the components are interchangeable. All the development's done. You know, you'd, you'd have to suggest that, based on their track record, they'll come out into a hold in the first time and be very, very competitive from round one. I have absolutely no doubt in that. But I hadn't thought of the Paul Dumbrell aspect, and I reckon that's really, really good. See, I think the uh, I think the switch um, is being under or talked down by Triple Eight. I think the switch yeah. to the Holden chassis is massive. Um, you know, they can say, okay, eighty percent of the components are the same. You know, great. But there's one big component that is different that you cannot get your head around in, in any circumstance. Or two components. One is the engine, yeah. and two is the aerodynamics. Yeah. Um, and I think what you'll probably see, and it'll be interesting if they weren't being sponsored by Holden, it would be on, uh, interesting to get their honest views on it. But mm. I think you'll find that uh, that the two 
Falcon teams of uh, FPR and Jim Beam Racing with the least amount of change will probably have a significant uh, advantage over them at the start of the year if the two of them can get enough power out of their engines. Um, I think ultimately the Falcon's faster in a straight line aerodynamically. Um, I think that the Falcon, the Commodore, seems to be you know, better on fast corners and all of those kind of aspects, which is why it's such a good package at Bathurst. Um, but, you know, in a straight line, I think the Falcon should be the quicker car. So it's going to be interesting to see how it works because, again, you know, different aerodynamics means different pressures. It means the, the car's pushing down on all of those suspension components, which are the same as they were before, but they'll respond in a different way because different things happen. Um, and I think that's going to be the hardest thing. It's going to be transitioning not just the team, transitioning the drivers, but then transitioning the engineers to understand what the drivers are saying about the differences that they're feeling. All right, yes and no question, Andrew. It is now going to see enduro drivers not allowed to move from their car to their teammates' car. Is that the right decision? It is a great decision. Uh, Richard? Yeah, 100% a great, great decision. Okay, and the last question in Gas and Go now is, who is the number one driver that you want in your team as an enduro driver, Richard? Oh, that's that's cruel, Craig. You can't put someone on the spot like that. Um, I've done my research on this. <laughs> yeah, I bet you have. Oh. <laughs> Look, hey, Clark... Mark Scaife, Mark Scaife. Well, that's yeah. about to say, Clark is going to say Scaife as well. Yeah, Mark Scaife, surely. I would say Mark Scaife, but not just because I'm doing his autobiography, but <laughs> yeah. for other reasons. I think, uh, you know, if you look at it, like, you want to put a bloke into your car huh? at Bathurst, what do you need? You need them to know that they've got enough speed, yep. but more importantly, you want to know they've got some brains inside their skull. Um, speed's one thing, but having enough intelligence not to uh, not to ruin it um, is, another, is the other bit. Um, but for me, if you gave me money and said, go out and recruit a couple of guys for your team, um, I'd be hunting a Mark Scaife and a Craig Baird. I'll tell yep. you what, I, I don't disagree with those, but I'm signing Alan Simonson. Don't do si- Luke. Don't do Luke. I'm signing, I'm signing Alan Simonson. Oh. That's who I'm signing because... Have you checked his schedule? I haven't <laughs> checked his schedule. That's the only <laughs> problem. That's the hardest bit with him. Yep. Exactly. He, he is fast. He brings cars home. And you don't just talk about when he's here in Australia. He brings cars home all over the world. Well, and that's what I want. The just jumped to 13. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that's, point, that's Gas and Go for this week. And, uh, well, thank you to Andrew and to Richard. Of course, Gas and Go brought to you by V8X Magazine. Guys, I hope you have a very good Christmas and look forward to catching up with you in the new year. It'll be early in the new year because racing gets underway so, so soon in 2010. Yeah, thanks, guys. No rest for the wicked in this sport, eh? No, no rest. I've got to go and read a Rory story to my kids. All right. <laughs> With a Craig Lowndes voice, I hope. But that's, I'll try that one. That's the uh, roundtable for this week. Up next, the White Flag Lap, where we actually hear from Tim Slade about his thoughts on his first season in the V8 Supercar main game. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. G'day, it's Greg Murphy from the Sprint Guest Racing Team and you are listening to the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. 
On this week's White Flag Lap, we catch up with Tim Slade and ask him about his first year in the main game. Yeah, it was obviously a pretty tough start for consecutive DNFs in the, in the first couple of rounds. Um, yeah, you know, I felt like I've um, you know, made a lot of progress um, as a whole. Uh, you know, this weekend was a good example of that. Obviously, those street circuits um, caught me out at the start of the year, and this weekend, you know, we had, had good pace. Even like the last three or four rounds, you know, qualified inside the top 20 in, in each um, or each qualifying for, for the races there. And same again this weekend, 20th and 18th, and in front of Russ today, and um, you know, it was looking like that in the race as well, but. Unfortunately, yesterday we would have had a good run as well. We would have finished 15th, and we had a um, had an engine drama with a few laps to go. And today we had um, a power steering uh, leak with the fluid, so had to come in when a few laps down. Still had really good pace, so it was a bit um, bit disappointing. But um, it was good to still finish 23rd in the championship. That's where I was coming into the weekend. Um, yeah, Reynolds was, was 22nd. It would have been nice to be first rookie home, but he was probably just that uh, little bit too far ahead at the start of the weekend, so I didn't really see that as, as being very achievable to get. So to maintain that this weekend, um, you know, I was, uh, I was pretty happy. Um, yeah, obviously, start of the year was, was tough, like I said before, probably trying too hard and making little mistakes and um, overanalyzing things and just you know, as it was sort of well publicised, just went back to basics and um, and just concentrating on driving rather than than, than everything else, and um, you know just sort of progressed from there. I guess after those first couple of rounds, it did put me on the back foot a bit. So you know, I just had to go around and really make sure that I did everything I could to actually finish the races and and um, you know not drive too hard and and um, and stick it in a fence or something like that. So. Ever since then, you know, we only we had one DNF at Townsville, um, which was a, a racing incident with someone else, um, and then yesterday, you know, a mechanical failure. So, you know, since then, I, my head screwed on right, got all the miles um, uh, I possibly could, and I guess you sort of really notice that when you are finishing races, you know, it comes sort of halfway through a 200k race on a Sunday afternoon. Um, you know, you sort of think, oh, okay, well, that's that's how I drive it. You know, so you really have to make sure that you that you do finish. Um, Enduros or Queensland was good for me. Um, you know, it's a round that um, we've done a lot of miles at, or a track, I should say. Um, you know, it's our test track. Cars are good record. there. Yeah, yep, yep. So I finished tenth in that first one with the lap record, and then um, uh, the Enduros were good. You know, teamed up with Russ at, at Phillip Island last minute. I wasn't very comfortable in the car, and then we ended up seventh there, and um, and again at Bathurst seventh with um, with Dude, which is a which is an excellent um, excellent result. So the first time up there, couldn't really ask for much better. So I guess that sort of helped get my championship back on track a little bit. Um, so yeah, pretty excited um, about plans for next year. Um, you know, with with Stones, um, you know, it would have been great to sort of continue the relationship with um, with PMM. You know, sort of build up a, a good uh, a good relationship bond, if you like, with with all the guys. They're, they're a great bunch of guys. Um, but I guess you know, commercially, that that couldn't happen with Super Cheap only being with Russ next year, Castro on the second car, and you know they wanted a high-profile driver as opposed to a young guy, which which is fair enough. So um, yeah, definitely, you know, leaving leaving on on a good note. Definitely, uh, you know, there's nothing nothing sour there. A lot of drivers try to keep their engineer with them when they're uh, making a move. It'd be hard to get your uh, radio man to make the move, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We actually we joked about that before, um, getting dude across. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, you know, the Stones have got lots of lots of capable, uh, smart guys over there. So I you know, really look forward to sort of building up a, a good relationship um, with him and um, and going from there. You've been self-funding your racing for the most part up until this year. How big a difference was it for you to become the professional driver? Um, yeah, I guess yeah, that, that's something that I sort of had to uh, adjust to at the start of the year as well. Um, you know, I still got my sort of personal personal backers that, that go with me, and you know, big well, the, the, the two guys is James Rosenberg, who's actually you know a, a, probably one of the major supporters of, of me next year, having having bought the license and actually being a, a team owner um, of, of Gawler Farm Machinery, and then there's, there's DSG at home. So you know, you still, I guess, to an extent, you know, you got to worry about about that side of things and results and and uh, and everything else. Um, but, I mean, it hasn't been a massive change. You know, I still worked in the workshop with the guys this year and probably, uh, you know, work took over from a little bit of sort of physical training side of things. You know, I still, still got to earn a dollar. It's not like I'm getting actually paid to race. You know, I get paid to work in the workshop and do a lot of driver training stuff as well. So, you know, still sort of keep busy. I don't think I'd, I could, you know, like some of the guys, just turn up and drive and do whatever else they do during the week. You know, got to got to keep active. <laughs> when you look at what you're what you're moving from to what you're moving to how excited are you about that opportunity and, and about what you've been able to put together um, you know you look at uh, Van Gisbergen's results well speed this year he's had um, had good speed at, at most of the rounds um, I guess you know, for him all he has to do is sort of get his you know, racing sort of uh, side of things a, a bit more together and yeah, it would have been um, you know, probably a real sort of top five threat this year so um yeah obviously the machinery is good um you know bright has been uh, pretty quick from queensland onwards in that new fg and like i said you know there's some uh, really smart guys over there and ross and jimmy are, are really switched on guys you know they've had success before and you know that that's all they want to do again now so yeah they like to give the younger guys um an opportunity so you know i'm looking forward to, to that side as well you know you know you got their full support behind you Well, we wish you all the best. Have a good Christmas and uh, see you in 2010. Yes, you too. Thank you. My thanks to Tim Slade, also to Andrew Clark and Richard Crail. As the checkered flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, we'll have plenty more right throughout the festive season. Just keep tuning in. Until next time, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.